Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Hi, I'm Randy, and this is Dave. We're the founders of Bombas, the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. So comfortable, we sold and donated millions of pairs. To sell and donate a lot of socks, we became obsessed with comfort. We reinvented the sock from the ground up, adding comfort innovations along the way. It worked. People tried them, loved them, told their friends about them. Helping us sell and donate millions of pairs. Try them now at bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash comfy. Thursday, February 10th. Kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player. Delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Presented by Nationwide and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022 delivered with Uber Eats will be revealed. NFL Honors, presented by Invisalign. Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN+. All times live except in the Pacific Time Zone. The author of Sex in the City doesn't love how the TV adaptation ended. Adele's new album includes a voicemail she left a friend during an anxiety attack. And we're talking with BuzzFeed News' Tanya Chen about the TikToker who exposed Coach's destructive waste policy. It's October 19th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shiloh Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So to kick things off, Candace Bushnell, the New York Observer writer behind the Sex in the City column turned book, recently shared her thoughts about HBO's adaptation. She told the New York Post, quote, the reality is finding a guy is maybe not your best economic choice in the long term. Men can be very dangerous to women in a lot of different ways. We never talk about this, but that's something that women need to think about. You can do a lot less when you have to rely on a man. Candace added that she felt the series wasn't, quote, very feminist in the end, and that's why people should not base their lives on a TV show. Okay, so Shyla, as the resident Sex in the City fan here, can you talk to me about the ending she's referring to? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the series, uh, Carrie is in Paris with, we call him the Russian, um, and it's not a great experience. You know, he doesn't treat her well. He ignores her as soon as they move there, and she left behind her entire life, all of her friends, um, everything she was doing in New York. And then... She decides to leave. Um, there's an incident where he, I believe, accidentally hits her when they're arguing. Um, and she's like, you know what? I'm not having a good time. I'm leaving. So she storms out of the hotel and runs into Mr. Big, um, who flew to Paris when she decided that she was going to be with another man. And then finally, after six long seasons, decides that she is, in fact, the one. And they ride off into the sunset back to New York together. That's uh, 
that's that's what happens. Um, I, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I didn't start watching Sex in the City until like maybe like one or two years ago. And I didn't finish it because I honestly have a problem watching it because it just doesn't show these women in the way that I want women to be shown. But then and then I get so mad. I get very mad at Carrie often, just all the time. And then I have to remember she's not a real person. Two gay men created this character. <laughs> but like, <laughs> she's not real. <laughs> but I understand the frustration because it is like not only Carrie, but all four of the women end up with men at the end of the series. And the show is really supposed to be about their friendship and not finding the right guy. And like, I don't love Carrie, um, but I do think that she deserves better than Big. He never treated her right. And so to end the series, with him basically coming in on a white horse and quote unquote rescuing her. And she's like, okay, great. Everything's fixed now. It's it's not, it's not great. I don't know if it's true to character. Maybe it is, but I don't love it. No, you're right. It makes sense. Would have loved a friendship ending. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So moving on, on an episode of the Carrie and Tom podcast, Adele revealed she's included audio on her album of a voicemail message. She left a friend. I was really frightened. I was having an anxiety attack and I called, my best friend to try and talk to her to calm me down, but she didn't bloody answer. So um, I voicemail <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's just it sort of just shine some light on. I'm talking about my son in the rest of the song, and then once I put him to bed, it's like you know, it's like I can I can stop sort of putting on that brave face, you know. I think this is so cool. How does she keep getting cooler and cooler, Shyla? She's so cool. And I love that she was like, she didn't answer. I feel like that's yeah. so, it's so real because it's not like, oh, we had this great conversation. Like she was really there when like I needed her. It's like, no, she didn't answer me. And so <laughs> I'm putting but her you know on what's blast. good? I've actually started, started getting into a habit of um, uh, leaving my best friend voice messages like via text. Oh, that's and- me. That's literally me and my friends. We send very long voice notes. (laughs) I love it. But sometimes I'll just like, sometimes I like tell her, I'm like, Courtney, you're my personal diary. So I'll just like record it and be like, this is what happened. Got it out of my system. And sometimes I'll be like, you don't need to respond, which really reinforces the diary element of this. (laughs) 100% I do the same thing. I really feel like voice notes are the new everything the new best way of communicating yeah my younger sister was doing it and i was like oh okay okay we gotta be cool now casey yeah that's <laughs> what the kids are doing messages. <laughs> <laughs> no but this is so cool i love how open adele is and and she's been very clear that this is heavily a divorce album and just like it's great to like not that she ever hides her pain from us but it's good to also see it like not in the music element of it but just like her personal life too and what inspired the music and i just really just think it's so awesome all right so moving on environmentalism and sustainability are extremely important to us here at buzzfeed daily so today's interview is about corporate waste and social media activism a few weeks ago tiktok user anna Sachs, aka the trash walker posted a video where she showed several coach bags that she had fished out of a dumpster that had all been deliberately destroyed we're talking to buzzfeed news's tanya chen about the story and the changes that came from it Hi, Tanya. Welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be back. (laughs) So, you know, this TikTok came up on my feed last week and it it absolutely blew my mind. And I'm so happy you wrote about it for BuzzFeed News because it goes into Coach's policy of destroying its own merchandise and the TikTok user who recently exposed them. Can you give a quick summary of the story for our listeners? 
Sure. So a woman named Anna Sachs, uh, who's done a lot with organizations and coalitions about kind of best sustainable environmental practices. She posted a TikTok showing a ton of slashed coach purses and apparel that she bought off of another influencer named Dumpster Diving Mamas. So she uses these kind of slash products to highlight an industry-wide practice, especially in the fashion industry, where companies like Coach will damage their own goods so that they can't sell for you know a myriad of reasons. And Anna also speculated in her TikTok that companies like Coach are doing this so they can write off these damaged goods for tax benefits. So she points out that it's hypocritical to the messaging that Coach sends out for being kind of an environmentally conscious a company that prioritizes repairing and recycling their products. Her TikTok went so viral and it was so effective in kind of getting her message across that people really sounded the alarms. They tagged Coach in droves. They threatened with their consumer rights and the company was kind of forced to respond. In PR statements that they've released, it said that they would stop slashing merchandise for returns and other unsaleable things, but it's kind of unclear what unsaleable constitutes. Anna raised really good concerns about that. And I asked Coach to clarify, but I haven't heard back. That is the gist of what happened. Okay, so you mentioned that one of the potential financial reasons that Coach would destroy its unsaleable products is so they can mark them as damaged goods for a potential tax write-off. And I mean, someone at Coach must have done a cost-benefit analysis and realized it was cheaper to destroy the bags than to repurpose them. But I mean, do you think that this is solely about money or do you think that there's also an aspect of like wanting to protect their brand? That's the allegation. So it makes sense to me as a loophole. I can't say why they do it because they haven't spoken publicly about why they do it. But if it is for a tax write-off, money is at the center of it. I mean, money is at the center of all of our and most corporations kind of most controversial decision making. So they are protecting their company by keeping as much profit as possible, but I'm not sure if it protects their brand. I think if they had thought ahead and anticipated this, it's not doing a whole lot for their public image right now. But if they assume that this would be hush hush, then yeah, their kind of MO was to retain as much as their goods and turn it into potentially more financial gain or financial security um, internally. So you touched on the repair program, but I want to like dig a little deeper on that one, you know, because there's so many aspects to the story that make it completely infuriating. But a main one is that coach claims to care about the environment. You know, they supposedly have this repair program for damaged goods, even though they're literally destroying their own products. They were even named one of Barron's most sustainable companies in 2020. I mean, do you feel like Coach's actions are particularly flagrant or has the bar for corporate hypocrisy just been lowered? Oh, it's an interesting question. I think it's flagrant because it is so clearly contradicting. So it touts one kind of value for show and then it practices something else entirely differently internally when no one is looking. I think it's something we see everywhere in companies all around us. Companies are incentivized to compete financially. So it has to skirt around these ethical issues so that they can make 
ethical issues look good on them without really amending any policies that are ethical. So right now, sustainability is more costly. So that's why companies are not incentivized to do it. But that's also why the public is demanding that they do it because they have the means to do it. And it's the right thing to do. And people care about the planet that we are living on and that we are using. So I interpret the backlash as you know, people trying not to lower their standards. People are really smart and they're smart enough to know that this kind of hypocrisy happens at every large company, but they're also not going to be resigned to it. People want better. They want to hold companies accountable in some way, but it is going to be a very, very difficult fight. So after Anna Sachs's TikTok went viral, there was a ton of internet backlash against Coach, obviously, for their wasteful practices. And you mentioned that they did make a statement. So do you think that Coach's commitment to ending their wastefulness is genuine? Or do you think that the Instagram statement was just PR fluff? Like, are they going to implement any actual policies? For their one clause of return returned items, it seems like they're proclaiming that they'll stop destroying them. But we'll see, right? I think the question of what a company does and whether it's genuine is a really hard question to answer when so much of what PR is is posturing values. Um, it's hard to know if they're really committed to it. It's you know really about letting time pass and watching their actions over time that will kind of tell us if they're genuine about it. We went through a whole year of Instagram statements about how much people in power are quote unquote listening and quote unquote committed to change and care about like moral imperatives. And we're still seeing how those same people are power are reverting back to their old ways. So it's easy to announce a policy change, especially if you can get, you know, minimal kudos from other people for doing it. And it's much, much harder to hold ourselves and themselves accountable to doing it long term. All right, well, we'll be right back to talk more about corporate waste with Tanya Chen. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm excited to be back with a new season of You and Me Both. You know, when we started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. But I am a firm believer we're stronger together. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. 
Listen to you and me both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with BuzzFeed News' Tanya Chen about corporate waste and social media activism. So Anna has posted numerous other videos of companies throwing away large quantities of their products, you know, like Walgreens throwing away home goods, CVS throwing away candy, or grocery stores throwing away food. Considering the facts that human consumption is directly contributing to climate change and there's a giant trash island in the Pacific Ocean, do you think we're on our way to some kind of waste reckoning? I think so. So Anna told me something similar and she called it a tipping point. So, you know, with her TikTok, considering that she's posted very similar videos in the past, like the ones you kind of just mentioned, Casey, um, and it hasn't really struck this much of a chord or on such a mass scale, like the coach one she did recently, I think she is realizing that more and more people care. I think we are paying closer and closer attention every time one of these alarms are raised. So yeah, I think kind of a mass public consciousness is now taking sustainability, taking climate change, like a lot more seriously than we were even, you know, a year ago. And, you know, I think what might be different about this video too is just the visual aspect of it, because, you know, we can't sometimes see these other companies throwing away the things. You might see them in the dumpster, but that's it. But I mean, having her hold up the coach bag with the slashes in them, I mean, it's so heinously wasteful. So it's just like, I think that really affected people. Totally. Yeah. I think she realized too with storytelling, with social media, you know, I think in older posts that she did, she talked about, you know, brands like Coach and she said similar things in those videos, but they were kind of more slideshow videos. And so it was extremely engaging for her to show us these products, but also she did it in a kind of like sarcastic manner, which plays really well on TikTok with, you know, she called it a haul video. So that's kind of fun that she's kind of subverted that popular genre of videos that we've gotten used to. Now, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned this because, I mean, these videos aren't singular to just Anna or Coach or any of the companies she's talked about. Hashtag dumpster diving has been viewed over 1.2 billion times on TikTok. And I mean, most of the videos are by users fishing through the dumpsters of well-known companies or brands. But I mean, do you think that this is like actually an indictment of American consumerism? Or is this also just like a fun, thrifty trend, like people searching for stuff? (laughs) I think it's both. I'm wary it will become a fun trend for people to jump on because, well, now we see that it invites a lot of attention on social media now. But if the idea is to raise awareness and if we can harness that awareness for people to stay engaged on the subject and to keep informing others about it, then I think, great, you know, if it's for the novelty of going dumpster diving or to participate in something that they find is like, I don't know, fun in some way, then, you know, fine. It's a very effective way, like we said, of showing the fallout of American consumerism and then more importantly, how we try to cover it up. I'm, I'm curious, do you think that Do you think that like other companies will look at these videos and see what happened with coach and sort of 
preemptively make changes or do you think it they're just going to continue doing what they're doing and hope no one calls them out? <laughs> yes, the, the former is definitely the more optimistic way to look at it. And I try to hold on to that. Yeah, it would, you know, with these videos, um, it's, it's so humanizing. And so ideally it would, you know, touch on the human people working at these corporate companies to compel them to, to think a little bit, yeah, more sustainably about what these people can influence executives at these companies to do. I think realistically what might happen is because we've seen it time and time again, companies don't want to make those changes. It's much more difficult to make those changes. It's again, much more costly to make those changes. So they will kind of take notes on how to avoid being caught or take PR notes about what to say for damage control and to, yeah, because again, historically it's easier to put band-aids on things than it is to holistically change an entire crumbling system. (laughs) And on that note, in your piece, both you and Anna make it clear that social media activism can be a useful tool, but that substantial change requires sustained advocacy. Can you elaborate on this idea? Sure. And read the newsletter because Anna said it really well. She said social media is a great first step kind of tool, but it needs to be coupled with other actionable steps, at least right now, because she reminded us that politicians still only know how to log, you know, traditional calls, emails, and letters as, you know, metrics for how concerned people are for certain things. So it's important to do that. It's important to call, email, write to your local representatives, engage IRL. (laughs) Every time I use that term, I giggle because it, you know, feels like more effort to do that. But right now we, we still live in that world where those ways of engagement sound alarms to people who are actually lawmakers who can actually affect change or policy changes in government. One day, I wrote this in the newsletter, but one day it would be nice to imagine social engagement as enough of an alarm. And it kind of is already, but yeah, right now it is only kind of the the foundations for activism or kind of what we know to be activism right now. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you've noticed this when you're reading the comments on these types of posts and stuff like that, but I've been noticing on TikTok, a lot of people saying like, someone should do something about it. And then it's like someone else really like, oh, like, oh crap, we need to do something about it. <laughs> so it is, it's like, how do you got to like take it from social media, realize something about it and then act on it IRL, like you said. Yeah, right, right. And that that's a lot on individual autonomy to do as much as it can be really kind of a nice narrative or like, you know, fulfilling to be able to do. Um, I think what what's smarter is that these organizations are now hiring people who are savvy with social media, who care about the cause, who know how to then galvanize people or activists are now thinking really smart and strategically about how to use social media. So it's not these kind of fluke one in a million kind of viral chances that it raises this amount of attention. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll have to keep our eye out on on everyone. (laughs) 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 That sounds (laughs) daunting. Yeah, I know that. I wish that wasn't the message that we're sending is like, we all have to be watchdogs for large corporations. But I think it's very telling that that is kind of what we're left with right now. So hopefully kind of these structures can be inverted one day, but these are tools that we have and it'd be wise to use them. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, as much as I love Chris Noth, Mr. Big is the worst. 
<laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. I'm Paris Hilton, and this is Trapped in Treatment, a weekly podcast of shocking survivor experiences and stories from an industry plagued by controversy. With my hosts, Caroline Cole and Rebecca Mellinger, we will uncover the truth of one teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Hey, Lethal listeners, Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But I hadn't counted on a rash of new murderers tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger, though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now... All signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on season one of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in season two, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.